Hi, this is Steve the Knight, and you're listening to Starkville House of L. Strap yourselves in. It's going to be a good one. Welcome to part one of our interview with writer, director, producer Stephen S. Knight of Smallville. This interview has been produced for and provided by Starkville's House of L podcast at houseofelpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Tucker. I'm talking with Stephen tonight. We've got a few questions for you, Steve. Is that okay? Yeah, I think I have a few answers. Okay. All right. Um, and you started writing for Buffy by writing two episodes late in season five and then became full-time employee in season six. Is that right? Yes, that's, uh, that's correct. I came in halfway through the season. Uh, I had written a spec Buffy script to try to get a better agent <clears throat> and uh, because it was during staffing season nobody wanted to talk to me so my crazy agent at the time who was working out of her bathtub knew three people in television and one of them was the head of Joss Whedon's company and they read it and I came in and I met with Joss and we hit it off and uh, originally I was supposed to work on the animated show that we never eventually got off the ground so when I talked to Joss he said you know I know you're talking about the animated show, but would you like to write a freelance or the live-action show? And it was like, you know, the heavens opened up, and sunshine hit me, and I heard the, 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 the angelic choir. And I said, of course, I would love to. And that went well, and uh, then they hired me on full-time. Well, uh, that's cool, man. Um, well, you changed over to uh, Angel after that season. Was there a reason for that? Um, like, was it the the change in networks? Did that have anything to do with it? No, not at all. Uh, I I had always loved what they were doing on Angel because I thought it was very Batman. Right. So uh, we were housed in the same building, the, the writers. Okay. So when Angel would air, uh, the next day I would go downstairs, literally, to the Angel people and say, Hey, I love the show. That was great. And we'd talk. And so Joss knew I was a fan of Angel. Um, the reason I went to Angel was basically because of Firefly. When Firefly got picked up, Joss wanted to move Tim Minear out of Angel to go run Firefly, but that left a huge hole down with the Angel staff. So he came to my office one day and said, hey, you know, I, <clears throat> I want to move Tim over to Firefly. Would you be interested in going to Angel? And, you know, you'll get a, a bump in salary, a bump in credit, and I hear you want to direct, so we might be able to work something out. That's... So I, I already loved the show. So I said, sure, you know, wherever you need me. So uh, I went down and had a great time uh, and got a chance to direct for the first time, and it was, it was a wonderful experience on that show. Uh, were you approached to work on Firefly at all? Uh, I was supposed to do some scripts for Firefly. Unfortunately, it got canceled before I was up in the rotation. Oh, uh, I see. That's a tremendous shame. We're all big fans of Firefly. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the show, by the time it was actually canceled, the show was just fantastic. I, I think it was a little premature on, on Fox's part. <laughs> that's that's a, that's an understatement, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, i got to ask, just because I would be remiss, uh, since sci-fi is definitely like a really good niche for you, how was it writing for MTV's Undressed? 
Ah, MTV's Undress, my humble beginnings. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, it, it was great because it was my break. It was my first professional writing job. Um, after I, I got a master's from UCLA in playwriting, and uh, I hung around an extra year to go through their screenwriting program. So when I, when I got out of there, I was writing spec screenplays, one after the other. I've got like 10 or 11 spec screenplays, you know, awesome. piled up in my office that nobody wanted. I just could not get arrested. And I thought I'd get out of college and, you know, maybe six months I would get a job. Well, it was six and a half years later, and I still didn't, didn't have anything. So uh, a buddy of mine that I went to college with in Santa Cruz as an undergraduate, he calls me up, and he's working in production. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm production coordinating this pilot for MTV. It's this uh, Roland Joffe show called Undressed, and it's absolutely horrible. It'll never get picked up. <laughs> but if it does, I'll get your stuff to Roland Joffe's people. And I'm thinking, Roland Joffe, The Killing Fields. Yeah. This must be an amazing show. Yeah. <clears throat> So uh, about four months later, he calls me up and says, Miracle of Miracles, the show's been picked up. So send me whatever you have in TV. And unfortunately, the only thing I had in TV was a Deep Space Nine spec that I had written just as, you know, just to try out television. <laughs> so I said, hey, here's my Deep Space Nine script. <laughs> and he sent it to Roland Joffe's people, and another miracle, the guy who read it was a huge Deep Space Nine fan. So he really liked it. I went in and I met, and uh, that's how I got on the show. The show itself was, if you've ever seen the show, that's pretty much exactly what it was like working on the show. <laughs> uh, it was just, you had to crank out such a huge volume of material. Uh, the first season, we did 30 half-hour shows, and we wrote, directed, edited all 30 half-hours in about 12 weeks. So it was just a constant, constant flow. And then they upped the number we did. I was there for four seasons. And in that four seasons, I think we did 130 of these shows. Uh, and by four seasons, it's not four years. Our seasons were very short. So it was about a year and a half. Good Lord. And uh, we often joke, practically anybody you see, any actor, you see these days was probably on undress. <laughs> yeah. Anyone that was good looking and could walk and talk was on undress, including Brandon Ralph, the uh, Superman. I do he was on undress. That. I do remember that. And uh you, you know, everybody was on that show. Uh but you know, it really wore me down by the end. There's only so many ways you can get a girl to take her shirt off. Wow. And I literally remember that I was writing this scene where the edict was the girl had to take her shirt off. So I'm writing it. It's like, Jesus, I've gone through every possible combination of how somebody would take their shirt off for no reason. And it literally was she's talking to this other girl. She starts kind of fidgeting. She says, this tag in my shirt is killing me and rips her shirt off. <laughs> and at that point, I thought, i, I got to get out of here. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny that uh, that next to last year I was on the show. Uh, a young writer working under me, Damon Lindelof, the wonderful Damon Lindelof, who went yeah. on to co-create Lost, who uh, could not be a better guy. And uh, there, there were several writers there that came out that really, really made good. Lizzie Weiss is another one. 
she went on to write the movie Blue Crush, the surfing movie. Uh, yeah, well, uh, a lot of great people. That I, I would imagine that they, you know, for I didn't realize how big a production that actually was, but yeah, they could. Yeah, it was it was huge. We, yeah. we had three sound stages with three different directors going every day because we would, you know, you know the show was high school, college, and post-college. Right. So we would write the storylines that way, and then one director would get that series of uh, episodes. Uh, that's insane. Well, I have to ask, um, favorite episode of Buffy that you worked on, Angel, and Smallville? Let's see. My favorite episode of Buffy was definitely Dead Things, the one that I did. Right. And uh, that was the one with the... Uh, uh, the nerd triumvirate uh, finally turns bad, and they kill Warren's ex-girlfriend, <laughs> and then try to frame Buffy for it, which which was just a, a fantastic experience for me. It was one of those experiences where the story broke really late. Uh, it broke right before Thanksgiving, uh, and I had to turn it in that Monday after Thanksgiving. So I had about three and a half days to write the script, which was ultimately great because I didn't have enough time to second-guess myself. So I just threw everything out there. And it was, uh, you know, the first half of the episode is really funny, and then it turns really, really dark. Yeah. And uh, that was a great experience. On Angel, hmm, God, Angel's a tough one, because there's, we did so many crazy things on Angel that I <laughs> loved. Um. But I have to say, if one thing stands out for me, it was the first thing I ever directed, which was Inside Out, which was uh, a story in the fourth season where literally everything that's happened in those four years is turned inside out, where you realize everything was like a a big chess game for a higher power. Uh, uh, I just had a blast doing that. That was one of those things where they let me direct, and I had had no experience. I hadn't even directed a you know a high school play, and they said, "Okay, go do it." And uh, nobody ever showed up on set <laughs> to see what I was up to. You know, the Joss never came down, or uh, you know, n- nobody. Jeff Bell, they just left me to my own devices, <laughs> which was uh, up until Justice, my favorite thing that I had done. Because after that, I knew a little too much. And then I, uh, you know, <laughs> nothing yeah. was ever the same. <laughs> Had to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was too much knowledge. Yeah. Uh, but Angel, Angel was just that was such a special two years. When I, I look back at the things we did and and how we did it. I remember uh, an episode called "Why We Fight," where we, you know, we were just trying to break a story. Then we had like nine different ideas, and none of them were working. And Joss Whedon comes in one day and says, you know, I had a thought. Spike and Angel, it's a flashback. They're on a Nazi submarine. <laughs> I've seen that episode. Yeah. That's a great one. And uh, me and Drew Goddard, we, we again, literally, we had three days to write it. Uh, so we had <laughs> no time to research it. If, if you ever watch that episode again, uh, I got the section with all, all the technical sub-talk. And and if if you watch that in U five seven one together, you'll see where I got the tech talk. Because oh, <laughs> okay. I, I basically borrowed that tech talk and changed some of the numbers. 
right. Uh, I, actually, I met with Jonathan Mostow uh, a couple of months ago. We were talking about a project, and I told him that story, and I, I, I thanked him very much for the uh, submarine <laughs> tech talk. Well, was it fun? Was it fun for you, especially like when uh, James Marsh has joined the cast of Smallville as Brainiac or as Milton Fine? Uh, oh, absolutely. For being able to write for him again after Oh, it was Post a blast Angel. writing for him again. Because you wrote I, I uh, Thirst, didn't you? I mean, uh, uh, Thirst yeah. and uh, Splinter. Yes. Did you love yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it was great writing for James again. Uh, uh, that, that, that again, it, 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 I didn't know they were looking for a Brainiac. I, I think at that point I didn't even know Brainiac was going to be on the show, but Alan Miles came in and said, uh, Steve, uh, you work with James Marshers. What, what do you think about him as Brainiac? And I said... Yes, get him immediately. <laughs> Go get him, and, and then I I called up and left a message for James. Uh, he's just such a wonderful guy to work with. I mean, uh, James is just a a prince among men. So they got you to do the legwork, having to go. Yeah. And get him. <laughs> uh, he he was just so great. Well, uh, I, I can't I cannot say that's one actor I can't say enough good things about is James Marsters. Just a fantastic human being and a wonderful actor. Um, how was it writing the uh, having James Marsters say the line? There's no such thing as vampires. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know that was a <laughs> that thirst was a a funny thing for me uh, because they decided they wanted to do a vampire episode. So of course they turned to me and go, Steve, you've written for Buffy and Angel, you do it. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, this could go bad. <laughs> and and sure enough, in my opinion, it did go bad. Um, the thing about that kind of show uh, with vampires that you actually have some humor in, and this is something I went you know, over and over in the production meetings, especially with the director who shall remain nameless. Uh, <laughs> I said, you cannot play the camp. You, can't, you cannot go that direction. You have to play against the camp. And I remember saying 12 different times, the one thing I never want to see is any of these vampire girls raising their hands like claws and hissing. Never do that. And sure enough, I get the dailies, and that's all anybody's ever doing. <laughs> oh, God. And it's like, you, you don't get the genre. And then they tear, so, and then Alan Miles tear you apart in the commentary on the DVD instead of... It's like it's your <laughs> fault or something. Oh, I, I, I got to tell you... Uh, you guys never actually saw the really bad version of that episode. Um, in, in post, you know, they, they, they shot all the Chloe wraparound uh, narration to it, which really helped. That wasn't in the original script. Um, they did a great job in post of uh, making it less bad. Well, so was the uh, Carrie Fisher thing, like, last minute? No, no, no. Carrie Fisher was in it. Okay. Uh, it's just all of Chloe's uh, typing and commenting okay. on the story wasn't all right. in it. All right. Well, um, well, let me let me ask you this: Have you thought about going the way of Jeff Loeb and Greg Beeman and moving to Heroes? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the thought's always out there. I, I, I the last I heard, they don't need anybody on Heroes. Uh, there are a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, Tim Kring, God bless him, a man I've never met, but I've heard great things about. Um, usually on a first year show. You fire everybody. Oh, okay. After the first season, all the writers are gone. Uh, the, I don't think I've heard of a first-year show that didn't pretty much fire all the writers. Because uh, somebody's got to take the blame. <laughs> well, uh, these guys but on good. Heroes, yeah. his response was, is it working? Then why change anything? Which I totally agree with. 
So the last I heard, there's no opening. Um, and for me, I would love to be over there with those guys. And also, their studios are very close to where I live, which is very attractive to me. <laughs> That's a very short commute. Yes, a short commute would be wonderful. Um, but I'm also feeling like I wouldn't mind being on a first-year show to really help shape it. I mean, I would love to be on Heroes, but honestly, I would just be another cog in the wheel. Uh, that show's already up and running quite well. Well, uh, have you thought about the possibility of trying to create your own show? Oh, I, I do constantly, and every year I try to. Uh-huh. Um, it's really hard to get your own show on. Uh, I've done two separate pilots. Um, this year I didn't do a pilot, not through lack of trying, but uh, you know, you, you, when you're shopping around pilots, it's almost like you feel like a vacuum salesman. Right. <laughs> and this year nobody needed my vacuum. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, it was uh, it was really hard this year. Um, I went out twice, one with a horror show uh, that nobody wanted. It was a small-town ensemble horror show. And one of my f- best meetings I, I, at the CW, no less, I go and pitch it at the CW. And, uh, you know, it was a raucous meeting. Everybody was laughing and ooing and aahing, and that's great. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll have a show on the CW. And then we get a call the next day saying uh, they passed. They said they they really they loved everything about it, except the small town horror aspect. And it's like, well, that's the show. What are you talking <laughs> <That's> about? <ridiculous. laughs> so, uh, and then I went out with a a completely different non genre. It was a uh, a dramedy set in the mental ward of a hospital. Ooh. Uh, except this time we got smart, and we attached uh, you know an eight hundred pound gorilla. Uh, I met with Frank Darabont. And he really liked the idea, so we went to these pitches together. And that, that was a surreal moment. I'm sitting here with Frank Darabont, <laughs> a guy that I just, you know, could not respect more. So we pitched that all over town. And even with Frank Darabont sitting next to me, I couldn't sell the damn thing. So at that oh, point, man. I just realized this is not my year. <laughs> oh, so uh, uh, next year, I will try once again to uh, get my own show up. Well, uh, is there a foray into film in your future? Are you, trying, are you, are you still uh, wanting to do that? You know, I've done a couple of features, nothing that's been filmed yet. Uh, for you comic book fans, I actually wrote The Punisher 2 oh, script. Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, you'll never see my script, though. Because, oh. you know, I wrote uh, the second version of the script. Uh, the first one was by Jonathan Hensley, the guy who did the first movie. Um. One day I get a call from a buddy of mine that works over at Lionsgate, and he says, "Hey, I, I, I hear in the pipeline that they're going to be looking for a, you know, a new writer on The Punisher 2. So I had my people call up. I went in and met, and uh, they, they, you know, I met with Marvel and Lionsgate, and they said, you know, we want to do something completely different from The Punisher, which, which I told them quite frankly, I didn't care for. Mm. Uh, I thought it was like a throwback to the 80s, and not in a good way. <laughs> Dolph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I prefer Dolph. I, I, you know, I think Thomas Jane did a great job with material that was dated, Yeah, to be kind. So they said, we want to go a gritty, you know, down and dirty, 1970s kind of taxi driver feel. And I said, ah. I love those 1970s movies, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, Taking a Pelham, One, Two, Three, you know, all that stuff. So 
So I said, yeah, that's exactly what it should be. And the villain uh, is uh, a jigsaw. Oh, they actually man. have a, a villain villain. So I wrote this dark, this pitch black script. I mean, you know, hard R, uh, unrelentingly grim Punisher movie. Uh, so grim that, you know, uh, his best friend from back in the old New York neighborhood has become a priest. Frank has gone a different direction. They get back together. Um, the priest is, you know, Frank's only friend. And uh, the priest keeps trying to get him to renounce his violent life. But slowly the priest realizes that Frank is right, that you have to be proactive in stopping evil. So he starts killing people in his confessional. People that he sees are going to become these monsters. Well, Frank finds this out, and, you know, his opinion is you can't kill someone until they do something. You can't just kill them. Uh, so in the final scene, Frank kills his best friend. Blood sprays across Jesus, you know, on the pulpit. And Frank turns his back on his friend and God and the church and walks back out into the cold, dark night, which was all in the outline. And then they read it and they go, we can't do this. What are you, nuts? Oh, man. It's just too dark. <laughs> Steve, i got a number of a good psychiatrist. That I want to give you. <laughs> You know, if you read it, you'd say, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> anyway, sounds so I, good. I, 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 I rewrote it where the priest doesn't kill anybody and, you know, Frank doesn't uh, uh, kill, kill his best friend. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, it, it, it worked just as well, I mean, in their defense. Uh, but at that point, we kind of went our separate ways. Um, the next round of notes, I, I honestly was not crazy about. You know you're in trouble when you sit down with studio executives on a Punisher movie, mm -hmm. and the first thing the head guy says is, now, I've never read any of the Punisher comics, oh, and I don't know anything about the character, oh, but great. here's what I think. Great. And then he went on to say that the Punisher should be more interested in protecting and saving people than punishing criminals. And I'm like, that's not the Punisher. That sounds a lot like John Peters' take on super, original Superman yeah. from the yeah. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. A giant spider in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So from what I understand, they're on like the sixth draft after the one I did. Wow. Uh, which is unfortunate because, I mean, I would love to see a real Punisher movie. Right. Well, But I, I don't think we're going to get that. Well, I've got one more question for you, and i got to know how you got the gig on Smallville. Uh, mostly, uh, Jeff Loeb. Uh, Jeff Loeb was talking, uh, talking me up to Alan Miles. Um, and, uh, I still had another year left on my angel contract, but Alan Miles, uh, crafty devils that they are, were trying to get me to, uh, come over to Smallville anyway, to leave 20th Century Fox and the amazing Joss Whedon and come over to Smallville. So I, I had a meeting with them that went really well and they wanted me to come over and, Ultimately, I told them, you know, I, I can't break my contract with Joss. Uh, I'm very happy here. Um, but, you know, let's see what happens next year. And sure enough, next year popped up, and they made a preemptive offer that I couldn't say no to. And that's pretty much how I ended up there. Uh, Jeff Loeb lured me over, then promptly left to go do Lost, the bastard. Right. He uh, produced Buffy, right? Jeff Loeb? Yeah. Uh, Jeff Loeb, uh, no, he didn't produce Buffy. Uh, he was producing the animated series uh, uh, thought... over on Buffy. That's how I met him. Josh okay. brought him in to uh, 
run the animated show. Okay. Uh, which I still have hopes one day we'll see the light of day. Well, because uh, we wrote ten scripts for it, the Buffy writers oh, wow. uh, that are really just a hoot, really funny and action packed. But uh, we just couldn't get it off the ground. So then he he left from that to do Smallville, and then uh, went over to Lost, and then Heroes. To hear the second part of our interview with Stephen S. tonight, please turn your cassette to side B. No, I'm I'm kidding. Please just update your feed. <laughs>